you haven't you haven't been like as outside lately like i I would go to like, uh, or I didn't, I didn't even go to a lot of events, but I see you on like flyers for events and stuff like that years ago, but probably, I don't know, maybe I, I haven't seen you as much in the last year or two during the pandemic and all that. Where you been at? I don't think you ever saw me. I mean, I was never really outside. Yeah. I'm like, what flyers are we talking about? You was at BYOB? I was! Yeah. With that same a smile. That, yo, that, yo, that smile <laughs> <laughs> that was one time I went outside. Shout out to Drew. Yeah, that yeah. was an amazing event. Yeah. Okay. So, well, so what one have time. you been? So, what, how do you how do you been making money without being out there like on Instagram Live and building your brand and all that kind of stuff? I. So number one is ads, right? So what I did is I looked at how I like to show up. And it's like, what lends to my well-being that can also help me create wealth? So I'm not going against who I am because then that's when it'll be stressful and I'll hate what I'm doing mm. and I'll forget why I got into it in the first place. So in the beginning, it was me asking, okay, what is the most scalable way to grow this thing that doesn't involve me showing up live? Because, mm. um, you know, I'm an introvert. I get anxious. I will overthink things. I will need to show up perfect. Like, you know what I mean? Um, I'm getting better. We get in more in flow. Good. But um, so, yeah. So that's why in the beginning I said, okay, I'm going to do a weekly webinar. Um, and I did Landmark. I don't know if you've heard of Landmark, but I did um, a program called Landmark. And my big takeaway from that is to keep my word to myself. I realized I didn't really keep my word to myself. Like you I would just work to yourself. Word to myself. Your word to yourself. Mm -hmm. What do you mean? When I say I'm going to do something to do it, yeah. I would say I'm going to do something and be like, oh, I said that, that, who, who said that? I don't, I don't remember saying talking that. talking to you, huh? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I learned and I said, okay, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to commit to a weekly webinar and my goal is to make a million in a year. If I can do this webinar, I believed in my mind, if I can do the same webinar every week for a year straight, I will make a million. And I what committed- this was 20, the end of 2017 okay. going into 2018. Mm. And it was wild because if you look at the amount of money I made, I made nothing, essentially nothing from like January, February of that year to uh, September because I was doing all the things. And then in October is when I said, I'm going to keep my word to myself. I am going to uh, do this weekly webinar and that I made like 3K, then I made 7K, then I made 10K, then 20, then 40, then had my first six figure month. Never look back from there. So, starting from that month when I started doing the weekly webinar, I generated a milli in nine months. And before wow. that, the most I had seen was like 20K, you know, from my course, like a little change here, a little change there. So, um, so that's what was possible when I kept my word to myself. And so during that time, I said, this is what we're doing. Like we're not don't, going outside. And I developed like a yes to no ratio, mm -hmm. like a high yes to no ratio. I was saying no to everything. <laughs> and in fact, to the point where I would have everyone send emails to my support email because I was like, I don't even want to be tempted. Because yeah. I might I might mess up and say yes. So I was like, I don't even want to <laughs> see it. So I just kept myself in my living room. So I'd show up for two hours a week and I would make my, you know, 40K and then eventually six figures on a night. And I just kept doing that. And so ads I knew were the thing that were measurable and scalable. Mm -hmm. So I knew I started out spending $20 a day, um, spent $60, got, you know, uh, 26 leads or whatever, mm -hmm. had 14 people show up live and I got three sales. So I made like yeah. $3,000 to $4,000. So turned $60 into $3,000. And I was like, okay. 
and I put it in my little spreadsheet and then I would rinse and repeat. And so I just kept doing that. And at the time I was running my own ads. So I would just keep the ads running, spend a little more, spend a little more. And, and then I was like, okay, bump this. We going five exit. And then I 10 X'd it. And that's how it took me from like a 40 K month to a six figure month. And then it took me to like the million. So that's why I haven't been outside. That's why I chose ads and webinar. I was wow. like, let's keep our word on this because we can measure it and we can predict it. But how do you get people? So, uh, you did the same webinar every week for a year. Is it the for same two webinar? Years, for two actually. years, actually. Girl, over, over did it. I actually did it for two years straight. Sheesh. I did it over 100 times in a row. Is it the same webinar? Same exact. I think I maybe modified it twice. In those two years. You know what? Were you doing webinars before or after Neo? Before. Yeah. He stole that from you. <laughs> he did. Yo, what because because now he talks about how he did he like he was doing a webinar every single week. And that's really how he like really dialed in. Oh yeah, that was my up. secret sauce. That was the key. Mm. <laughs> I remember meeting Neo at uh, yeah, BYOB. Right I'm about to tell him, like, yo, yeah. I know you got that. Part. <laughs> Because he did that like every single week. But it's the same exact presentation. Same one because you're doing it to new leads. But how do you know? How do you know it's not some of the same? My anxiety would kick in and say, yo, it's, it's three people on here to know my next slide. You know what I mean? You didn't? No, because of the funnel I set up, right? So I have my ad spend that would go to new leads every week. So I would have a set of new leads every Wednesday. Mm. And then the email follow-up would only go to those new leads. That's it. Every week, a new set of leads. Because you're not necessarily promoting join my webinar on your Instagram page. Exactly. Mm. But even if I was, if people already saw it, then they already saw it. They're not going to come. And a lot of times I've been on webinars like three times and I get halfway through and I'm like, oh, I've seen this before. Okay. But I'm like, is that good? <laughs> like I needed to hear it again. But yeah. And then like three to four times a year, I would do a live launch. And that's when I would email the whole list. Mm. A live launch of like another product or service? Same product, same webinar. Don't play with me. Yes. Because it had been months since they saw it. So it was like, oh yeah, refresher. And then like, now I'm ready to join. Boop. When we looked at the data from one of our big launches, um, this is like a multi six figure launch. And we're like, okay, I was curious, how long have the people been on our list who joined course from scratch from this launch and half of them had were were about 40 percent were new leads so they had joined in the last 30 days mm. but over half were um were had been on the list for longer than a year mm. so they just needed to see the message multiple times and if you look at the tags in active campaign you'll see like oh this person registered for the july webinar the september wet the december webinar and then they joined Wow. Oh, so you're, you're real analytical. I mean, so I learned when I worked at Udemy. So yeah, working at Udemy, I was on the marketing team. You worked at Udemy? Yes! In 2012. Listen, I'm an OG. Oh, we better go back in the I'm story. I'm an OG. We got, yeah, we I was there from away. 2012 to 2015. So before this whole industry, when it was at the very beginning. So uh, shout out to Sarah, Sarah Fontenot. First person I really seen do this. She was in, she was in a company with this, uh, she was selling this product, right? It was like a weight loss type situation. And every single day in her stories, she posted like the same three or four posts every day. Mm -hmm. Like I can expect, I know this one, I know the next post, yeah, the next yeah, story. Yeah, yeah. And it came every single day, mm -hmm. every single day. And 
I had to ask her, like, yo, you post the same thing every day. She's like, I make sales every day. Yeah. Because we're we be under the assumption that the thing that we posted today that somebody saw it. Yeah. Uh, and a percentage, for one, a percentage of the people that are that, that are following you, a percentage of them actually even get shown your posts. And then it's a smaller percentage of people that actually see it. Mm-hmm. Like that was actually paying attention or mm-hmm. like saw it, right? So I think like pushing something every day consistently, like with the with the event spaces, bro, you push it every day, all the time. And that helps with the marketing, right? Because one, the people who didn't see it get to see it an, in another touch point. The people who did see it the first time, let me ask this, how many people bought the morning meetup the very first time you saw it? Yeah. How many people, watch this, how many people knew about it a year before you, a year or more before you actually bought it. Mm-hmm. Ain't that crazy? Mm-hmm. I have a question, you guys. If you get in a car accident today, who do you call? Just blurt it out. 911? 911, right? What was it? Mm-hmm. Who else do you call? <laughs> Tom yeah. Nugent. Have you done, have oh, you my gosh. Have Tom. you ever done business with Tom Nugent? Okay, who else do you call? One call, that's all? <laughs> We see those billboards every quarter mile and it looks redundant. Why on earth would they buy this highway full of billboards? You guys post one time and you think I'm not going to overwhelm them with the marketing. Mm -hmm. If you ever get in your car and you're listening to the radio now, you hear that same 1-800-411-HERT commercial over and over and over again. And it's like, man, they keep playing the same freaking commercial over and over and over again. You might not need them this year. You might not need them next year, but you get an accident and you actually need an attorney. The first attorney that you're thinking of is Tom Nugent. 1-800-411-PAIN. 1-800-411-HURT. Marketing is the, the best marketer wins. And it's about how consistent can you be at delivering your message over and over and over and over again? Yeah. I don't know if it's, maybe it's an Atlanta thing. I don't know, but I can see the 411 pain sign. You can see it's it. It's crazy. You can hear the jingles. I remember like the trash raps that, you know, when they got real hip hoppy and call 1-800-411-PAIN, call 1-800-411-PAIN. <laughs> like this is, I can hear it. You can see it. You wake up and you, you just visualize these things. You want your marketing to be, this is called sticky marketing. You want your marketing to be so sticky that People who don't even need your offer know your message. Yeah, I was I was telling somebody like how we're like putting this content. Maybe it was at the boot camp, but um, how we're posting two two um short two shorts on YouTube every single day. In addition to like our longer form, but two for sure every single day. Those two are now going on to Facebook. In addition to yeah. the two that Yanni's posting, so we're really like got four. Uh, posts going to Facebook every single day of this same content. And it was like, yo, you don't think, um, you know, you're, you're going to uh, overwhelm people. And I'm like, you think people only see four posts a day, period. I would rather out of the 10,000, you're going to see four on be mine versus one or none or once every week in our world, we think, oh, we posted it yesterday. Why do we need mm-hmm. to post it again? We'll post, we posted it yesterday. 
We'll post it again Friday. In our world, we saw two. In our customers' world, they saw a million and didn't even see your two. Yeah. So like, yo, it, it was, I was so impressed by that and I learned it. And that's why literally we post something from the morning meetup every day, like the call in the morning, every single day. I'll take it down, but I post every single day because Sarah, she did the same thing every single day. And I was able to associate her with this company. Mm -hmm. And if I was ever going to buy a product from the company, who, who am I going to buy from? Yeah. The person I seen post something every single day in the store. It was like the same four or five, like back to back. It was crazy. Yeah. And this also applies not just to sell, but to condition. So it's like if you're creating a community mm. and you want people to become really familiar with your community, what you call your community members, uh, Trap does a really good job at this, Wall Street Trapper. Mm -hmm. Every single morning, he does the same thing on his stories. His very first story, fresh out of the bed, is going to be Good Morning Trappers, that same exact graphic, Good Morning Trappers. Then he's going to do a very quick clip of his TV on the Bloomberg you know, news showing all the, the, the stuff. And then he's going to start talking to you every single day. So now people in his community are calling each other trappers. That's what he wants is conditioning for you to be so sold out for the community that now when you think of yourself in this space, you're a trapper. Facts. Facts. That's tough. Mm. But you took an SEO class. So you're starting to understand this thing, how it works. How to drive traffic. Exactly. Yep. What'd you learn? What what's one of the things you that you learned working there that's that still sticks with you today? Oh, I mean, so it's interesting. The one biggest thing I learned is also probably the one biggest rule I broke that made me successful. Mm. So the one biggest rule was definitely optimizing for keywords. Um, thinking very specifically about your audience and what they're typing in as opposed to you saying, oh, these are my like fancy words to describe my business. So that was the one takeaway. Um, and then how I broke that rule is that when I launched my course, I really focused on my story. I focused on what I talk about is your culture ad. Like I'm not here to fit in. I'm here to add value. I'm a culture ad. I have a cultural advantage. So what are those things that make me different from anyone else? Mm. Because it is supply and demand. So it's like, if there's only one of something, the demand, if there's only one in the supply, the demand is going to be real high because yeah. you can only come to me to get the, these set of experiences. Like I am the authority of all these things that no one else is and just like everyone is the authority of their own story mm -hmm. so you don't even need to have all the accolades but like oh, I, I have to go to you to get like your story mm -hmm. so I would say that's the one rule that I broke that made me successful was using my uniqueness as opposed to playing to what is everyone searching for mm -hmm. that's like okay that's the first level but in order to stand out from everyone else and to have that exponential growth that I had and be that first mover, it's to create your own lane by tapping into like, what is my specific story? How that translates like tangibly could be everything from my webinar title, you know, how in the early days I did really well on Instagram. That was my first kind of claim to fame. So grew my following to 20,000 followers in a year. Which and then huge. 20,000 yeah. used to be impossible to... Yo, getting over a thousand used to be, oh my gosh. Yes, yes, that's Man. true. And then I started making 25K per month from Instagram organically. So I wasn't running ads regularly. So what then year? this was 2017. Yes, 2017. Right. Mm -hmm. So 
I, um, so then what that looks like, right, is now taking my experience and turning that into a webinar title. So instead of like how to launch your course, I said how I make $25,000 per month from my Instagram, from my online course, mm. like without doing it for the gram 24 seven. Cause even back then, that's what my claim, like I was like, I'm not doing the most for this platform mm. and I'm still making this how I'll tell you on the webinar. So yeah. So I would say leaning into the uniqueness was kind of like the breaking the rule that made it successful. Are you on YouTube heavy? No. No. The only videos I have on YouTube are videos we run as ads. Mm. You're the ad queen. But I'm going to ask you just from your, your perspective. So I went to this class, not a class. It was a conference on like growing with video. And I realized that uh, my thumbnails are too small. Oh. And I mean, I need to make a bunch of tweaks. Okay. But it, that's kind of me playing into the algorithm or the SEO on YouTube. Yes. Do you yes. not advise that? Oh, yeah. So I do believe in best practices and I believe in our instincts. So if you have a marketer's. Dang, that just sat, that just sat in my spirit. Mm. You said best practices and instincts. Yes. Dang. That's good. And sometimes you have an instinct about something that isn't necessarily the best practice, but you just feel something. And I guess at that point determines kind of like how successful you'll be, especially if you've done enough research. Okay. So, so just, just talk to me about what I'm trying to talk to you about. Right yeah. Now. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Because it's, it's mad stuff going on through my head and I'm trying to figure it out and I'm actually looking for coaching right now. Oh. <laughs> I love it. All right. So I'm supposed to ask you a clarifying question and all that, right? Mm. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, in that case with the thumbnails, what I would say is, first of all, what are the results you're getting? Because it's one thing for someone to tell you, here's the best practice. Your thumbnails are too small. However, if you as David Shans are killing it and you're getting the click-throughs, that where the data says we we love your thumbnails like this is working then your thumbnails ain't too small it wasn't okay i just learned the okay. click through rate thing oh, i thought we just came okay. up with a cool title when i when my guy he made the thumbnail i was like ooh, that's hard let's do it and i put it on there and you're then, like oh where everybody at where the clicks at yeah, yeah, yeah. so that's a good so then you ask yourself about the litmus test so everything has a litmus test how do we know if this is working or not working and you want to look at the piece of data closest to what the asset is. In this case, the asset is the thumbnail. Mm -hmm. What's the piece of data closest to it? The click-through rate. The click-through mm -hmm. rate is what, like, people see the thumbnail. Are they clicking it? So that is our litmus test. Is this working or not? Got it. So when you look at the CTR, if you're like, oh, yeah, this ain't given, mm -hmm. then most likely maybe the thumbnail is too small. Gotcha. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So, uh, yes, you broke that rule working uh, SEO, but you start to understand search engine optimi optimization there, yes? Yes, absolutely. And how did you take that into Instagram? Because it's not the same. It's not. So what I'll say is I didn't necessarily take it into Instagram. It did help me with Instagram ads a little bit, but to be honest, it just gave me a healthy foundation and understanding mm -hmm. of the, you know, the architecture that is the internet. 
Like, yeah. where are the channels where we can get traffic? And how does the algorithm decide what to rank higher than the other thing? Mm -hmm. So it gave me at least a foundational understanding. And, you know, once you get the foundational understanding, that's a great place to be to make up your own rules or, you know, imagine things. So what I would say is the, the next step from there, it gave me the foundation to then when I worked at Udemy, I knew about SEO. I knew about that channel of organic marketing. And so then while I was at Udemy, I worked for, my boss was brilliant. He's amazing. And I got to learn from him. And that's where I learned uh, about data analytics. Um, I, I couldn't learn SQL for the life of me though. Have you tried to learn SQL? SQL? I know it's, yeah. Have I, I, would, I, tried I, tried, I don't even I know, know what SQL is. Like, what are okay. you talking about? It's, yeah, that, that's where my line was like, I could do a pivot table, but SQL. Um, but yeah, so that's where I learned to like track the data because I was responsible for coaching. I essentially did what I do now. Like mm. I would coach individuals who were launching their courses and I would help them determine uh, how should you brand it? How are you going to grow your audience? Um, what should you title your course? What should you price it at? And how do you get a 10K launch? even if you don't have an audience. So because I had like the foundational knowledge, I could help advise them on these are keywords you should include mm -hmm. in your course title so you can rank on Udemy's platform, right? Because Udemy is like an Amazon. It's a big old search engine for online courses. Oh, wow. So I could use that SEO knowledge to advise them, use these keywords because you'll rank higher and though add your specific twist. What is your culture ad? What are those few things that one, you know, result that you're going to add to make yourself stand out? Mm. So I was able to better advise them uh, when I was there because of that. Uh, do we have any more sauce on sales? Uh, we got plenty of sauce. Also. Oh, the other thing that I will say um, is know your, it's two parts. Know your product in and out mm. and know your competitor's products. Mm. Know your product and, 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 and know, know your, your competitor's, competitor's product. product. Yeah, because people are always going to compare your offer to something else, and you have to know how to shut that down right away. Yep. Yeah, you know one of the one of the statements that I hear all the time is, "I'm not worried about what my competitors are doing. That don't matter." Yes, yes, it does. <laughs> yes, it absolutely does. Even if it's just to understand your point of difference, mm -hmm. right? You have to know your product in and out. It is a huge pet peeve when I am on a call or in a store and I am asking about the features of a product or the benefits of the service. Or do you think this is a good fit and you can't answer me? It's like, I'm not really sure, but I could get somebody to help you. Why are you selling to me then if you're not sure about the product that you're talking to me about? Don't talk to me half knowledge about a product and then half at the knowledge. don't don't do it. Don't talk to me half knowledge about a product. And if I say to you. If I am buying these jeans from you and there's a store right next door that also sells jeans and I'm like, mm, I was looking at the jeans that they have right in the window. How are yours different? Do you think yours hold up? Back? And you don't know about the person right next door. I don't want to buy from you now because now I have to do the work of going to now you're sending me to them. Right. You're sending me to this person. And what's going to happen is your offer may be better. But because they know more about you than you knew about them, they're going to be able to explain to me their point of difference. And I'm buying because they seem more knowledgeable. Mm. Yeah, I was at I was at this uh, podcast conference and a lady with StreamYard. So StreamYard is a, a streaming service where you can kind of stream on YouTube and like these different avenues, Facebook all at the same time and not, like do live webinars and and virtual podcasting. And I use I use Ecamm. And the lady I was like, man, I've been trying to figure out the difference between StreamYard and Ecamm. I'm like, uh, kind of tell me. So she's like, all right, well, StreamYard does this, Ecamm does it. She knows it, right? 
And I said, well, what do you have over Ecamm? And she starts to tell me, she starts telling me. And I asked the next question. I said, well, what would Ecamm say that they have over you? Mm-hmm. And she starts to tell me. Mm. It's like, yo, and, and then this is what took the cake. She said, honestly, I have both. She was like, I use StreamYard and Ecamm. Mm-hmm. And like, obviously there's some flaws on Ecamm, but she was like, I got to use it so that I know and I have a user experience. She's like, yo, you for you can be successful with both. Got to be your customer. I, but I'm going to give you these 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 uh, these things that StreamYard does great. Yeah. And I'm like, yo, I want to use StreamYard now. Because one, you didn't bash the other company, mm-hmm. but you knew it in and out. You mm-hmm. actually use it. Yes. But you're like, yo, I use both. And this is why I work with StreamYard. Yes. I and said, yo, that was crazy. That's another point. So as a follow-up to knowing your product and knowing your competitor's product, when you have to talk about your competitor's product, don't ever bash your competitors. I will not work with people who bash their competitors because you're too thirsty for the sale. You don't have to dim their light for yours to shine. Mm. I just asked you about the difference. I didn't ask you for the drama. I just want to know the differences, not, not what they're doing so wrong and blah, blah, blah. Highlight your offer and say, well, they could probably improve here. This is what we do. And when people feel like you're giving them an authentic, honest answer, they're going to choose you every single time. Mm, I think I bashed some of my podcast conference competitors. <laughs> I for sure did. Just to okay, touch so base I apologize, on that. guys. Just to de- <laughs> I did. You, def- you definitely said all these other conferences are trash. I did. You said yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. I can't be on this podcast. In the, podca- in the, <laughs> podcast, out, space, in the podcast space, there's... Um, there's blood? I was, I had it wrong. You, you, you I was doing sales you wrong. like this? That's how I was moving. He was um, trying to create hype. That's crazy. And he was being a hater. That's, you try to stir the pot. I, yo, first off, let me be transparent. Y'all don't gotta like <laughs> double down <laughs> on my issues. But go ahead, what are you saying? I, some of the biggest advances I've made in my business were from watching other people's products. Mm-hmm. Being a customer of other, one of the biggest things I always tell people in my program is that when I started out, the first thing I did was I called mystery shopped every other space in my area. Right. First thing I did, because I was just like, look, first of all, I didn't have, have a mentor. Nobody was teaching it. So I'm just like, yo, I need to know what other people are doing right and other people are doing wrong so I can come into the marketplace and sell my stuff accordingly. I mystery shopped every mm-hmm. other business in a seven mile radius. How much do you charge? What do you what do you provide? How many customers? I want to know how booked you are. I'm looking at your mm-hmm. views on Google yeah. so I can come in and be like, all right, cool. The most booked spaces in this area, they're charging this. Mm -hmm. They're providing that. Mm -hmm. They have this type of level of customer service. They pick up the phone. Their website is optimized like this. Their Instagram bio looks like that. And from that point on, we were able to scale our business simply by looking at other competitors. Even with my digital stuff now, I'm buying other people's products. Absolutely. I want to know what your onboarding looks like. I want to know what your customer service looks like. I want to know how your product is laid out. I want to know how fast it takes. I want to know if you even communicate with me after I buy your product. Brian, Mm -hmm. did you work in corporate? Like, Six months. It's so. It, first of all, I don't want y'all to miss what he just talked about. Um, I work. With, I work with clients all the time, or I get people, students, in fact. And part of my training program is to mystery shop, right? It, and I don't call it mystery shop. I just tell them to shop their competitors, do market research, and people really feel like it's highly unethical to do that. I don't want to, you know, go in there and pretend like I'm blah 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 just to figure out what they're doing. It feel it makes me feel away. You're probably one of those people. I used to work <laughs> I used to work in property management, uh, leasing apartments. 
And one of our weekly roles was to go and shop our competitors or maybe it was monthly, but we would have to go and shop our competitors. And what that meant, because we were talking industry language, what that meant is if I work at a property, I need to go to B property, act like I'm looking for an apartment, right? Um, I, I'll take off my uniform. I'll go in there and I'll act like I'm looking for an, appoint, uh, uh, an it's apartment. Act like I'm, do, it's just so Well, because thing. that's what, that's what <laughs> marketers that's the name do. Of the game. This is what you have to do. You go in, marketing. you act like you're, you're, you're acting like, this is the information we're taking back to our marketing team. So we're acting like we're looking for this apartment. I am paying attention to what does your office smell like? What does the leasing office smell like? Do they have cookies? Do they have coffee? Do they have lemonade? We don't offer any of those things. That might be a deal breaker. Let's get the cookies, coffee, and lemonade. I am looking at the journey. How do I get from the leasing office to the apartment? Are they taking us on a golf cart or are we walking all the way through the buildings? Are they avoiding the dirty breezeways or do they have a yellow brick road path that they take us by that they know is always clean? When we walk in, are they showing us fully done models or are we having to use our imagination here with the furniture? Mm. All those things matter because if their presentation of their product is better, we need to do something with our presentation. That information goes back to the sales team. I'm sorry, to the marketing team. So sales can perform at a higher level. Brian, I'm interested in what you would tell somebody um, who says, I get it. I get that Pepsi probably sent somebody on their marketing team or they sent a C there's, there's a, before I get there, there's, I don't know if they do it anymore. I'm sure they do. In in uh, what's that website? Um, not Backpage. The other one where there's Whoa. all kinds of listings. What? Pre- Wait, what are you thinking about? <laughs> Craigslist. Yeah. Craigslist. Yo. Because Backpage was one too, but it was for something different. What kind of lift? What kind of listings? Is Craigslist. That? Okay. You ever nah, saw? You know the, something about it? You, never. You know something about it? <laughs> I heard about Backpage. <laughs> I don't know anything about it. But Craigslist. I'm too young. You're too young for this. <laughs> Craigslist used to be like the spot. If you needed to hustle up some money, we knew how to go through some Craigslist listings. And there are these mystery shopper positions where you could go into like restaurants and dine at these restaurants or into stores and people send them into hotels and companies. You do that. Companies have like. The Marriott has a department of internal shoppers that will send you to their Marriott properties to make sure that you're presenting correctly or you'll be fired on the spot. Yeah, so if internally you're being shopped from your competitors, you're being shopped too. I'm interested in hearing your perspective on if someone comes to you and says, I just feel like it's re- Let's just talk to Dave here. What's up podcaster or soon to be podcaster. Get ready to level up your podcast game because the number one podcast education summit of the year is back and it's bigger and better than ever. I'm talking about the second annual podcast summit happening on July 4th and 5th in the content creation capital of the world. You already know ATL baby, Atlanta, Georgia going down July 4th and 5th, two full days. Imagine this. Imagine you getting all the game you need to take your voice, your brand, your business to the next level. Imagine getting all the insider tips. Imagine getting all the know-how that you've been craving for the last two, three, four years where you're talking about you're going to start a podcast, but you haven't yet because you don't have the tools. You don't have the tips. You don't have the tricks. I don't care if you're just starting or you're a seasoned pro. This summit has something for everyone. Picture you mastering the basics of setting up your podcast or unlocking the secrets to grow your brand on social media. We're not just talking about podcasting here. I'm talking about you want to build a long form catalog, whether it's skits, movies. We got people talking about script writing. This is an incredible experience. Imagine, imagine discovering the art 
of securing these lucrative sponsorship deals. And that's not all. Learn the ropes of creating a pitch deck that has sponsors knocking down your door. But wait, 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 wait. There's more. This isn't just a summit. This is an experience. I'm telling you. Rub shoulders with industry leaders. And you got to network with the other people that are doing what you're doing. All the guests that have ever been on Social Proof Podcast, I'm giving them a free ticket. And in exchange, they promise me that they're going to sit down and do short interviews with you. We got podcast booths for our VIP members where you can sit down, pull somebody to a side, and you're going to create content in real time. I know what you're thinking. How do I get a part of this podcasting paradise? Well, it's simple. All you have to do is head over to podcastsummit.com, grab your tickets now, but hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, because I have something really, really special for you. I got a little treat for my early birds, people who take action. The next 20 listeners and only 20 listeners who get your tickets right now, okay? I'm not only going to give you 20% off of whatever ticket level you get, you get 20% off, but if you use the promo code Big Deal. It'll take 20% off immediately, but I'm also going to allow the first 20 people to listen to this right now to be able to bring a friend, bring a teammate, bring a partner for absolutely free. You get general admission, they get general admission. You get VIP, they get VIP. Whatever ticket level you purchase, you get to bring a friend, partner, colleague, boo thing for absolutely free. Nothing extra required. My team's going to reach out to you, get your partner's name, or if you don't have the person you... No, right now, yet, you got time, no pressure, you get us back. But use that code big deal. That triggers to let us know you get to bring someone for free. So don't wait. So secure your spot at the number one podcast education summit in the country. Join us July 4th and 5th in Atlanta. Let's turn your podcast dreams into a reality, y'all. Head over to podcastsummit.com. Use promo code big deal at checkout and get your tickets now don't miss out on the opportunity to take your podcast to new heights take your brand to new heights take your business to new heights with this unprecedented offer okay i'll see you at the summit and don't forget to use promo code big deal because dave feels like it's unethical to go in and shop somebody else what would you tell him if i'm to be extremely transparent and i i with with not with not putting aside how most entrepreneurs would feel about this. There's a certain level of an entrepreneurship where you kind of have to play the game. And I've noticed this. Anytime like time you use the little play the game. I don't know. It feels sketchy to him. The, <laughs> <laughs> the biggest companies, Amazon, Tesla, Apple, they all have a certain level of, I don't want to say tactics, mm-hmm. but there are things that they just kind of have to go a little bit behind the book to say like, all right, cool, we got to get the job done. For example, Amazon, what they'll look at is they'll look at all the top selling items and then they'll create their own product. Yeah. This is something that they do on the regular, like it's yeah. public, you know, Apple will do the same thing. They will look at other companies' products. They'll be like, all right, what's top selling? We're going to make the same thing. Google, sure. all the top companies do this. So there's a certain level of just, it's it's kind of like, if I won't do it, somebody else will. If I'm not yeah. selling somebody, somebody else will. Yeah. So I'd rather get the sale. Yeah. I agree with that. I definitely agree with the secret shopper because uh, Cheesecake Factory had the same thing, but I was like internal. Yeah. My thing, I don't want to go, I don't. This is external. I'm not going to act like I'm going to, because you got to lie. You got to be like, Oh yeah. yeah. I will call up another so, venue you, and be like, yo, I need to have a baby shower. I'm 20. Yes. Like, I gotta have a baby shower. Yes. How much do you charge this and the third? Meanwhile, they don't even know I run mannequin. Like, 
I feel that. You see you what I'm saying? You have it. to do it. Somebody and else Donnie has, to do has it. a burner email account. So for all y'all that be doing events, you got that little email wall up. It did. Be, Donnie has a burner. I got email. a burner email account. I'm stitching sure. everybody. Neil got, got a burner, burner Zoom account. <laughs> I got a burner Zoom. Oh, I've seen it. I've seen. I've seen it. I've seen Neil. I've seen it. I can't show up as Donnie Wiggins on your That's a fact. That's a fact. I want to know what's new in these streets. And it's not for me to come in and like steal from you and steal your ideas, but uh, I need to know what my competitors. 100%. I got no, 30 no, burner no, Gmails. I'm not. I, so I shop someone. I've shopped Neo. Mm -hmm. Oh, I've shopped Neo too. I shopped Neo. <laughs> I shopped Neo. Neo is, he's all over my burner email, right? <laughs> I've probably shopped you. Like, let me see. I'm not coming in as Donnie. So, and, and the other reason that I do it is because I want to collect like your emails and see how you're communicating. If something stands out to me, this is important. I'm not doing it to like steal your tactic on your yeah, Zoom. I'm okay with that. I just want to like learn what's doing. Oh, what do I like? Does you any do of this resonate? You want to steal the tactic. If no, I don't. Or I'm able to communicate. I mean, you can't steal it. Though. I'm also able to communicate at a deeper level. Oh, no, 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 no. I know for a fact that he does this or she does that, mm -hmm. but this is what we do, yeah. right? This is how we're different. You have to do that. And if you're not doing it, it's important to have some, I don't really have time to do it today, but I would have Brianna do it. Bri, I need you to hop on this Zoom, take good notes, record this, tell me what your feedback was. What'd you like? What you didn't like? What was the customer fee? What was the participation feedback like? I need to know these things yeah. so that it, it makes me improve. There's so many people in there, so many Coca-Colas, there's so many sodas. The people, you think Coke not sending they people in the Pepsi to see if the formula is the same, Facts. to see how pricing is different. There are people who do this. There are companies that are so grimy when it gets to the top level, they will install an employee in your company just to find out what's Dang. going on. That's now that's grimy. They is it will, though? They, I mean, it's is it, is it though? <laughs> is it grimy? Is it though? I don't know. I'm hiring. You want to put somebody on my team? <laughs> you know Yo, nah, I, I do agree with that. I think that's cool. Now, I wouldn't, again, I wouldn't go like do a tour of a, a apartment complex because I got to make up a whole story and identity. But what story I, do you have to make up? I'm looking for an apartment. I'm looking for an apartment. So, so, what are you, uh, so where are you coming in from? Oh, yeah, I live in Ohio. I live in the down. area. Moving. I'm, I'm moving. As long as you got to lie. Well, and, and it's, and it's, you, you do it different ways. So I used to get my best friend to come up there like, girl, we got to shop these apartments because after a while, these people, you do it every so frequently because there's a high turnover. But after a while, some, like I would walk in offices sometimes and they'd be like, Donnie, you here to shop me? Because I've been there before, right? Like they know, and they've, they've been to shop me. So it. they, because they had shot me, they're like, girl, you here to shop me. Let's go ahead and do this. And there was an internal language that we understood, but you would go so far as like, bringing me with you and like, yeah, so we're in town. We're just looking, you know, mm -hmm. for a unit or whatever the case may be. You have to play the role and it may not be you anymore because you're goofy and you won't do it right. But you need to get somebody <laughs> who will. Are you talking about me or are you just pop, saying pop, pop. you in terms of helping the audience? No, this is really, really, uh, this is really helpful. This, this is, is helpful, good. Right? This is good, yeah. All right, so. Um, who knows their competitor? Who who got a competitor that, you, that you're shopping today? First of all. Who, I actually went to a, the podcast conference as a, Shopper, but I bought a ticket and I was telling him, yo. And you tried to bring me. We were yeah. we were going in there to take all the sauce from the podcast conference. Who in here doesn't know their competitors? You don't know your competitors? Okay, I wish you had a mic. I don't really know where I was going to go with that. <laughs> um, I just want to know. So one person, um, what do you do? 
We need. Hold on. Let's let's get the mic. Okay, I'll translate maybe into you. What You're you building talk? an apparel brand. It's building I an know, apparel uh, brand. I know the Okay, Brian, you're really good at this part. Like, you know what people are in your industry doing, right? Mm-hmm. You're building an apparel brand. You know. I know a list of some of my competitors that would be considered a competitor, but I don't know, like, what you were just explaining in terms of, like, the deep dive and the information and things. How like many that. competitors do you have on that list? Two. You need 100. So you need 100. I need you to subscribe to every one of their email lists. Talking to that mic, though. Oh, can you, can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. You got to subscribe to every one of their email lists. You got to follow all their Instagrams, all their Twitters, find all their handles, see if they own their domain, see if they own their trademark, see if they own their IP. You also got to make, you got to buy a product from them. You got to read their shipping policy. You have a few, you need all of them. You got to buy their product from them. You got to contact their customer support. Yeah. Oh, wow. You got to contact their customer support. You got to try to return something. Mm. You need to go along the entire pipeline of this customer. You need to be a customer. If you're mystery shopping, Hollister, you got to be a customer of Hollister. Sign up with their emails, follow their Instagram, try to return something. Because how do you know where they're lacking if you're not a customer of them? You know what I'm saying? Mm. If I want to see somebody who's another marketer, I'm going to subscribe to your webinar, attend your webinar, try to buy the product, return the product, follow you on Instagram, (laughs) DM you on Instagram, because I want to know. And the quickest way, and there's literally, there are professional companies that will literally find a company that's doing really, really well and build an exact replica. There's a company in Europe that does this to all, like they'll build a replica Uber, build a replica Amazon, build a replica, all these big companies by literally going into their infrastructure and replicating everything. You gotta be a customer of your competitor to be better than your competitor. Mm. Yeah, don't mm-hmm. be buying my practice in the back, bro. I got Brian charging back if they refuse to give right. him a refund. <laughs> <laughs> You you didn't charge back some people who refuse. I've oh, never y'all charged not giving back, me no. a refund. <laughs> I've never <laughs> tried. Research. But you want to know these things. You want to know like, all right, sure. in the face of adversity, how does this company operate? Like, yeah. are they are they behind For their sure. refund policy? Do they have a refund policy? Do they have a guarantee? Are they behind their guarantee? You like, and when I say a hundred, I mean that it's called the dream one hundred because two people isn't enough of a sample size. Yeah. You need 100 people. You need small companies, big companies, large companies. If you're mystery shopping uh, for retail, Fashion Nova, Sheen, Pretty a Little Thing, Hollister, American uh, Eagle, uh, all these different companies. Yeah. That's you true. need uh, Uniglow, you know, all these all these big companies, big, small, medium, the local brands that freaking Tyrone and Justin making, like, or whatever, like, just random people. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, all these big companies, big, small, medium, large, their entire sales process you need to know if you want to be better than them you got to know them brian in his bag yeah today. in his bag, he in his bag <laughs> <today>. <laughs> first off mm-hmm. so what was the first course that you dropped well the second course now i'd imagine that you dropped that you you're it's just you course from scratch course from scratch mm-hmm. that's the one you sell today yeah so it was press play wow in 2012 and then it was the internal udemy course the internal course at the other beauty startup, and then course from scratch. What year is this? Uh, 2016. 2016. Mm-hmm. So what is that? What was that about? What was that course about? Course from scratch? Yeah, what is it? Yeah, so it helps people create and launch their online course. Mm-hmm. So more specifically, it helps you uncover your story and turn that into a teachable framework and then helping you find who can benefit most from what you know and then helping you find your first five to 10 customers. Um, and we help you launch your, what we call your MVC, your minimum viable course. Mm-hmm. So it's a live version of your course. So you're not locking yourself in the cave, trying to like record the videos and upload it and edit and all the, right. nope, teach it live, get your first butts in seats, and then go from there. 
when you say teach it live, meaning we'll put together a, I don't know, a workshop or something like that. Teach it live, record it, then sell the live. Really? Yeah, that's one pathway people take. So you would teach it over a four to six week period though. Um, So you would take your, so let's say um, one of our students, Alicia Price, she started out with a, her story, which Mm -hmm. was she grew up in a single parent household. So single mom. Um, And then when she grew up, she ended up becoming a single mom and she successfully co-parented her son. And so she's like, yo, like I'm really good at this co-parenting thing. Mm. Um, And in her professional job, she did mediation. So Mm. she's like, I'm really good at this. And so she knew other moms were struggling with this. And so she created her course on co-parenting. So she turned her story into this framework, um, made like 13K from her first launch, um, but taught it live. So it was a- Hold on, hold on. So there's a course, I'm Ramsey. So, she taught a course on co-parenting. Yes. You would teach a course on anything. It made $13,000. Yes. And that was just the first time that she launched it. What'd you tell her? How how did you do that? Like, (laughs) no. Like, where do you find the co-parents? Like, and then you got to find the people who want to admit that they're having a problem co-parenting. Like. Yes. And, and, and And? if you're going to put together like this workshop for six weeks where you find the people to come for six weeks yeah so for her she found them in a couple places one is um organizations so mm-hmm. she actually part of that 13k 7k came from a nonprofit organization that worked with single moms oh. so she plugged in there so she went on linkedin she went um looked around and found these nonprofit organizations and one in particular hired her to work with their single moms because wow. they had the funding for it And then the others, the other places are like Facebook groups. There are so many Facebook groups for all these different communities, including single moms, co-parenting, parenting tip groups. So people are raising their hand like, I need help. I want parenting tips. Um, So yeah, those are the places she found them. And this is stuff you teach people, like how to get creative. Yeah, because you don't need... You don't need a large file. You ain't even say nothing about posting on the gram. Exactly. (laughs) You don't have to go live on the gram. Yeah. No. Yeah. Unbelievable. Let me ask this in terms of the the um, the influencer marketing strategy. You teach that often, for right? For sure. How how would that work for somebody that maybe doesn't even have as much traction as I got going on, or somebody that just they got an idea? Is influencer marketing good for a new business owner? Yes, influencer marketing is good for any business owner, any business owner, mm. no matter what you're selling. Marketing is good for anybody right when first of all when you think of branding let's start with that you have to have amazing branding because branding is a lifetime when we think of the nike logo that what they the girl sued them she made like twenty thousand dollars from that logo that is a lifetime Mm -hmm. branding tool right so your branding gotta be aesthetically pleasing to attract the influencer If I had an amazing brand, if you walk into the bakery, you walk into the bakery, right? The branding on that is so amazing that you would bring anybody for free. You would be like, oh, Beyonce, you're in town? I got to take you to the bakery, right? I I wouldn't have to pay you to do that. But what if I had a little rundown, shabby co-working space with gray walls and tables, and I'm like, dang, bring Beyonce to the bakery. Mm. You like, "Mm mm-mm. Now you're scared because your integrity is based on my branding. Yeah. 
the fact that if I tell Beyonce right, to come to the bakery and it's shabby, she gonna think I'm crazy. Yeah. Right. And that's most of the time why influencers don't want to share your business to their audience because now their integrity is questioned because why are you sharing this? You got paid for this. Yeah. Right. That's so when you build the branding up to look so pristine and whether you have followers or not, if I go to a website and it's beautiful, works well, everything is right. There's plenty of things that you've bought. From a beautiful website and had no followers. Yeah. Right? Yeah, for sure. And there's plenty of things that were highly marketed. And when you got to the website, you were like, something is off. Yeah. Even people's ads around their courses, you see all the ads. And when you get to the landing page, you're like, something is off. Right? So that's where branding and marketing mix. So the first thing before you work with influencers is to really review your brand. Create a focus group. With five people, 10 people and say, would you buy from me? What does my Instagram profile need to look like for you to buy from me? What does my website need to look like for you to buy from me? Right. Once you have that, then you say, now tell me five people. Now that my branding is where it needs to be. Tell me five influencers that you can see wearing my brand. They're going to be like, oh, my God, you got a lipstick line. This person always wear lipstick and they never shout it out. This would be a great influencer for you. Right. So now that your branding is stable and great. You taking notes, Johnny. Taking notes. <laughs> All right. Now that your branding is amazing, you go to that influencer and you say, hey, listen, I noticed that you always wear red lipstick. And I know I'm a small business, but I have the capacity to ship hundreds of thousands of you of units. I just need the awareness. I would love to go 50-50 with you on a lipstick shade and you promote it and market it on your, on your, to your audience mm-hmm. and bring them back to my website and I'll give you 50% of the proceeds. You don't need to ship anything. You don't need to handle any customer service. With the right branding, that influencer is going to be like, bet. So, because they're already missing out on Monday. Yeah. They're already wearing the red MAC lipstick. Yeah. If they could partner with you that already has great branding, if you think of Chick-fil-A, it, with, even without the name, without the aesthetic, without the brand, and think of the first Chick-fil-A, yeah. right? The branding is still the Chick-fil-A that we see today. For sure. So it was that branding that commands people to walk into your building or walk into order on your website. Yeah. The moment when they like, this is Canva. <laughs> <laughs> This, it gives fiber. For sure. It gives vendors. Yeah. Right? It gives drop shipping. Yeah. How many how many times have you wanted to buy from a brand and it looked like it's being drop shipped? Yeah. You're like, I'm not going to get this in five. I'm not, this is going to be 50 months. Yeah. Like, this is definitely coming from China. Right. <laughs> you have black melanin matters or my black power on stock photos that don't represent the culture. So I I really, you know, for everybody that's listening, really look at what your brand represents and are you putting your best foot forward? Would you buy from you for real, for real? Mm. Not yes, I would buy with my sob story. Yes, I would buy because I'm a single mom and I'm making it on Canva and I'm doing the best that I can. (laughs) No, that's not good enough because your competitors are your competitors are smarter than you. Mm-hmm. 
cuter than you. They have more resources than you. So you have to be the best. Yeah. Right. I always tell people, save up. If you're going to build a brand, it doesn't cost a lot. Save up and hire the best person possible in your realm of business to give you advice on how you should do it. You, do you say you, fa- you signed Future? Uh, or yeah, you, yeah. You signed Future? To Epic. To Epic. So when I was at Epic. year was this? Uh, that was 2012. 20, 2012. 2011, 2012. First time you saw Future. What's going through your head? Or what's going on? Oh, he was a star. Like when he, when he, when he came to the office and we met, like you could just tell, like he was, he's a deep brother. He's a funny brother. He's a creative brother. He's a talented brother. He's very in tune to his artistry, his gift, and his music. And so it it doesn't take a lot to figure that out. Actually, the, um, uh, there was someone who brought me the music. I normally traditionally what I would do. I have my own means of finding talent. And uh, when I'd heard his music, I'd call down to Atlanta and ask some people to, you know, get me some music, find out who this guy is, et cetera, et cetera. And then really, you know, drove it, dove into the and where were you at this point? New York. You were in New York, and you just heard about Future. Epic. Uh huh. Did he have an album out or a song out already? Well, he yeah, he did. Okay, got you. Okay. Mm -hmm. And um, it was really interesting um, at that point. It was early Tony Montana, Mm. so it was. and you got it, right? And you got to think about New Yorkers are snobbish to Southern music, you know? And uh, me as being a New Yorker, I've never signed anybody from the Northeast. I'm in really? Southern, never. I just told you, Feel Mob was my first artist mm-hmm. that I brought because it's, you know, it's uh, it's just a different energy. Not that I'm biased against New York, but I had like a real connection you know, with the Southern sound and, and really could identify and hear what was next. You know, um, Cash Out was one of the ones that, that I brought also. Another, you know. Really what song was that? Cashing Out. Yeah, Cash Out. I mean, but sing the... the t- oh, yeah, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Did he do something else after that? When you say do something I mean, not do... I mean, did he have another hit song or... He had a career. He had a career? Yeah. <laughs> I know he's, he's dancing on the line I, I feel you I feel you Phil Mob uh-huh. Sign Phil Mob uh-huh. They weren't popping before this uh-huh. No So First time you heard Phil Mob Dude How did you Yo it's 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 the Lyrical content It's the It's the bass It's the production It's all of those things In the connection Like you know Although We It's It's pretty indicative Of lifestyle for people like us, you know, a lot of the music that's that's being made of that was attracted to me. It was more of, you know, like, wow, I get that. I love that. And I can hear it because being a radio promoter, a lot of the music that I hear, I can hear on the radio. And that was probably, or more importantly, what my, my gift is in identifying talent is that I'm also able to promote the talent. Mm-hmm. So is, you know, that's just how it worked for me. And this year, what years did you sign Phil Mob? Oh, man, that goes. See, you're trying to date me again. No, nah, I'm, I'm trying to get a timeline yo, of to get the story. A, yo, okay, so that's decades ago. So okay. let me see. Phil Mob was in the 90s. Like, like a year early, yeah. mid, mid-90s, right? Yeah. Or no, that was late 90s. Nah, it was. Because like I think I came down here. Yes. Yeah, 97. Got you. At this point, 97, mm-hmm. 
This isn't, I'm going to build a social media following and then you're going to sign me because I have this following, which happens now. Like you have, so, this is not going to be a talent. So right? now when you find, when you hear, okay, if you want to go, so what you're doing is going to reverse on how you break music is, I guess, the question that you're asking me. Yes. So with Feel Mob, which would be different than modern day mm -hmm. rapper X, singer right. X, et cetera, the radio was the, the, the major dynamic on exposing talent. Mm -hmm. So for an artist such as Feel Mob, the vehicle to expose them would be the mix show, mix show street and clubs. And those were the avenues that you would have to create that momentum from to ultimately get it listened to, positioned for the radio station to play it, creating momentum. So right? in, that, in that time, we have a mix show. If you can get them on the mix show and people like it, the clubs and... Or variation of thereof. Right. Right, a very, very variation thereof. Like you, you're going to need the clubs and you're going to need mix show because you're creating an audience. You're mm -hmm. creating fans. You're creating energy, creating excitement, creating value. So you want, you want that. Like you may not hear it on the radio, but when you walk into whatever club you do down here and you hear something, you go, oh, that's cool. And now you can Shazam it, right? Yeah. And go, oh, now I know what it is. Before, you you couldn't. So it's all word of mouth. Mm -hmm. So the mix show guy would tell the PD, yo, this is hot in the club because he's in the club every night and people are asking. Mm -hmm. Or when he plays it, yo, the movement is crazy. Or, you know, the infamous playing, you know, after midnight or the one o'clock hour and no one leaves. Mm -hmm. That's when you know you got something. So at this point, like, really, you can take a talent. As long as you got talent, the success of this artist isn't 100% up to the artist anymore. It's you have this ability and you got to wrap this artist with someone who can actually get the person on the radio, who can actually get somebody to play their song in the club. And you're creating this product, right? But it's not that way anymore. Or is it just a different, in a different way? Sure it is. It's a team. All you're saying is, is a team. Um, in, in essence... You still need, you need a strong team that you need to establish day one of doing anything. Whether you're going into real estate, whether you're going into music, you know, whatever, whatever your appetite for business, going into tech, you know, obviously you need but to. you could be ill on TikTok right now and just get lit. Yeah. So there's always been one hit wonders though. Like that hasn't changed. You can go to TikTok and go viral and don't have, never hear from you again, yeah. which is no different than when it was just, Basic, you know, everybody bought the single and never heard of them again. I feel that. Right? So it's just indicative of the time. You know, different technology just puts you in a different place. Right. But what, we, what we're talking, when I was stating in the beginning about the artists who have transcended, you know, time, space, and periods are real artists. Mm. So there's a difference between having commercial value, right, and, you know, being a, a true artist. Gotcha. Like you can have success and never hear about it again, right? Just one record. For sure. Whatever happened to them. So you hear Phil Mob, you're like, yo, this is really, really dope music. Mm -hmm. And now you get to work, your brain start marketing. How do I take this amazing product and give it to the world? Mm -hmm. What was the big break? Was there a point or something that happened that propelled them to, okay, now they're on? Um, you read the tea leaves. Obviously, um, what's important is back then, credit credibility was getting the home market. And if you can't make it in your home market, then it would be very difficult for you to make it outside. You know, it's 
difficult if you're a New York rapper and you can't get played in New York. People in D.C. don't really care, yeah. right? So, you know, it was success was regional first, mm-hmm. and and that was was uh, the way a lot of the determining factors of the tea leaves were being read. Now it's global, right? You can break anywhere, and and ultimately you can feed your fans if you know if they're on the other side of the world or if they're in Dalton. Gotcha. Right? So now you can see how you're going to maneuver and craft your marketing and planning and how you're going to spend your resources. Gotcha. So you're still, you're in the same space of signing artists Mm -hmm. and I guess helping shape their career. Mm -hmm. How have, how has the times changed in your role in terms of what you have to do to assist an artist on kind of getting to that superstar status? So I'm um, independent now. I have my own company called Diverse Media, and I have an artist assigned to me from Jackson, Mississippi. Her name is Paris Gatland. Mm -hmm. And what we do is traditionally what a label does. So I'm doing more of everything now in this capacity than having the support of departments inside of an organized corporate mainstream company, but the functions are still all the same. So as you know, in here is you're producing an amazing podcast, but obviously if you were in a a different environment, you would just walk in, right? So it's no different. Gotcha. So, and you came from, you started your own label from what label? Uh, I started my own label three years ago. And where were you at before that? Uh, Rock Nation Music. So you was at Rock Nation Music. Mm -hmm. How did that opportunity come about? Um, it was the next step from me from Epic. So as I was bringing you through, I went from uh, MCA, left there, went to Def Jam, spent 11, seven years um, there, which we had an amazing run of, of talent that came through. Um, DJ Khaled came through. Uh, Young Jeezy came through. Rick Ross came through. Dang. Rihanna came through. through Neo came through. Def Jam. I mean, Def Jam, yeah, mm-hmm. got you. Fab came through. And what'd you do for uh, Def Jam? What was your role? I was the uh, senior vice president of promotions. Senior vice president of promotions. Mm-hmm. So it was on you to promote the... Correct. A radio hits, man. Mm. Radio hits guy. That's what I did. And then from there, I left. and went to uh, Epic and um, got the opportunity to be a, on the other side of the business with the uh, executive vice president role of now getting a true peak on the other side. You know, most times we don't get to see how the bones are really curated and, you know, how the business is actually moving. So that was a great opportunity. So executive vice me. president of Rock Nation. Executive vice president of Epic. Of Epic, yes, yes. Correct. Got it, got it, got so it. So that helped teed me up um, understanding the business a little better, um, far more than just, you know, uh, the surface end of it to really getting into the meat and potatoes. And then that's when the opportunity to go to Rock Nation presented itself and it was a great opportunity to um, do something I'd never done before. Uh, we started a distribution um, arm of the company called EQ Distribution and you know it gave artists an opportunity to um, maintain their masters but um, also get an opportunity to um, stream up into the into the major into the uh, parent company if if it's so be it you know gave gotcha. it, it it worked. I got an uh, idea for you. Okay, so I okay. got a friend. Uh-huh. And uh, <laughs> I got a friend. It's like, he shot a movie. It's very popular. Oh, cool. Well, not a movie, a series, okay? 
<laughs> Why am I getting nervous about what you about? Da, da, da. <laughs> you know, the way you like. Nah, because we have this argument, okay? So, okay, he's okay. really popular. Okay. Really popular. You as said a, that about 10 times. Big, he's really popular. Nah, like subscribers are crazy. Okay. And um, he shot this, like, people are really tuned into his content. And he shot a series, like a 10 episode series. And he's going to sell each episode for a dollar. Oh. I want to get your perspective on that. I told him so for more. Mm. What kind of series is this? Like, is it like reality TV? No, it's like it's like sketch. Sketch comedy. comedy. Yeah. I want to get your marketing mind. Is that. he what is he known for? Is he known for sketch yeah, comedy? Yeah. Oh, got super it. popular. So super popular comedian, yep. known for sketch comedy, mm-hmm. and he's creating a 10-part series. That he's gonna have people pay for. And he's going to have people pay for it. Got it. Because in the comedy space, other ways to get paid for your content is like, let's go on the spectrum. So on this end of the spectrum, it's like doing a deal with like a Netflix or whatever, where they pay you tens of millions, blah, 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 to do that. Um, Then you have the kind of DIY model where you organize your own tour. You might fund it through the ticket sales, um, maybe a liquor sponsor or something. Cool. And then in this case, he's going direct to consumer. He has a consumer base. Mm -hmm. He's charging a dollar per episode. And then I'm assuming uh, people are just buying it through his own self, self-hosted self yeah. site. Yeah, his own promotion, yeah. And then does he have I, a, a membership on the back end of it or anything like that? Is, is there anything membership. on the back end that he's selling after that you buy the I dollar? I don't think there's anything on the back end, but you would put something on the back end if it's going to be a dollar. Does he have a desire to teach comedy, sketch comedy? Does he have any products like that? I don't know. Okay. So let's pretend he, let's say he doesn't. Because that's the obvious route, right? If he wanted to teach it, there's a percentage of people who would want to learn it. Mm-hmm. So he could potentially use that as a low ticket to get them in the door and then sell something high ticket if he had that desire. But let's and, pretend he doesn't. I'm a fan. I would pay wherever he charged because I'm a, I'm a big fan, mm-hmm. right? I, I just met him through his, his content. Yeah. So, okay, go ahead. What are you saying? Okay. So you're going to buy it. And I'm just thinking about the experience now. So you're going to buy it and you're just going to like watch it on your own. Mm-hmm. I mean, he could do more than a dollar. That's what I was thinking. I mean, yeah. Do you know why he's charging a dollar? It's always good to understand people's why. <laughs> like, is there a why? Uh, I'm like, is there a master plan or is there like a, what's the psychology? <laughs> like, is, mean, he, is he here right now? No. Is no. he here right <laughs> now? Right is he wearing a shirt that says yes? No, 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 he's not. No, he's not. Have you seen it before? <laughs> no, yo, but here's, so he loves the craft. He loves the craft mm-hmm. and just like, he has a, a good fan base and, you know, put a lot into it. And I mean, the, my perspective was people just don't value a dollar because there's so many, Yo, I don't even think you get a burger anymore for a dollar. It's like a dollar something. It's mm-hmm. a change for McDonald's, right? Mm-hmm. But it's like, it, I would pay five bucks each. Like, it's just because I check his page to see if like he has a new sketch out all mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. So I just want to get your... So he can charge whatever he wants mm-hmm. and people will buy it. Like, it's essentially, it's like the, it's the Nipsey album. It's mm-hmm. like, if he wanted to charge $100 per episode and that was the positioning, people would buy it. Talk to me about positioning. 
if he saw this as this is my, not necessarily Mona Lisa, but perhaps this is my um, Gandhi Wiley, you know, intro to the market. Like this is my premium stuff. This is my masterpiece, right? The first masterpiece I'm releasing. It's just the beginning of my masterpiece, my vision for my masterpieces. And this ain't for everybody. Like this is for the true ones. This is for people who appreciate comedy, who get it. Um, And it's going to be, you know, $100 per episode. That starts like people are going to talk about that, first of all. And then people are going to start asking, wait, why is it $100? Are you going to get haters? Of course. Of course. Is it going to get to you? If you, if there's a part of you that believes whatever they're saying, then yes. Mm. But if you wholeheartedly are like, bro, this is not for you. If it ain't for you, like this is my masterpiece and I'm going to put it out and I'm going to put a price on it. And maybe, so what I would think about in that case is, and I'm thinking about this because I'm actually working on an NFT collection. And Mm. so with that collection, I'm thinking about who do I want my collector to be? And it's more than just the art. So in this case, it's not just the art. So in my case, it's not just the NFT. It's not just the art. It's about who this collector community is that you will now be a part of. There are only going to be 3,000 pieces. So potentially 1,000 collectors because they might get three a piece. 1,000 collectors for my first, my Genesis collection. And we're going to do a since 3,000 collector uh, session in person. Like you can only come if you're a collector. Mm. So for that collection... That's not going to be $5. You know what I mean? Because of the way you're positioning the product. Because it's one, one thing to say, okay, y'all, here's the product. This is the price. But if you have a product attached with a story, it becomes whatever value that story resonates with somebody in their heart. Yes. And the other piece here, like with my collection, it is also because it's what's important to me. Mm-hmm. So what's important to me here is community. So I'm putting it there because I value that. Like I want to be, you, you, we talked about how I don't get outside. Mm-hmm. So this is a way to bring outside to me. Yeah. So I'm a marketer. So I put things out to attract people who are vibrating where I am. I want to hang out with y'all. Mm-hmm. So let me put this collection out. That's all about embodying our past, present, and future selves now. It's since 3000. And here's the investment to become a collector in our Genesis collection. And we're going to do an in-person session where you get access to all the other folks in the collection. So same here. And guess what? I value this collection because it's going to be by a black woman designer who's amazing. It's going to be an avatar collection. Mm -hmm. It's going to look like us. It's going to be the first in the market to be like that. Like, but guess what? It's more than a story. It's what it means to me. For sure. Like it's how deep it is for me. Like this is truly a masterpiece for the next phase of my life. So is that dollar that he wants to charge per episode, is that a reflection of how he feels about this thing that he's creating? Is it commensurate with how important it is to his life? Or maybe... What's important is the reach. Maybe it's important for him to get 100,000 people to buy each episode for a dollar. Maybe that's what's important to him and that's why he's pricing it at a dollar. But if that's where the importance lies for him, he he wants to position it that way. He wants to tell that story and say, the why. It's a dollar because what's important to me is having 100,000 people be able to watch this. And guess what? We're going to have a watch party on Friday the 13th at 8 p.m., and we're going to tune in here and I'm going to be on YouTube live doing live commentary on my own stuff. And you can tune in, but only if you've bought it. Because mm. that's what's important to me. I just learned a lot in terms of 
positioning a product. Like mm. I've, I've heard people say it, but I've never had anyone like really explain how to position something so that in the mind of the viewer, it means more than just the exchange of this for that, this for this amount of money. Yeah, that's what we put out. Like we'll list out all the values. This thing does this, 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 and this. Give me twenty dollars versus what it means. Yes. So that's transactional versus the transformation. So transactional is this for that. You're going to get all these things for this. And then the transformation is for me, I know the transformation is in the community, is in them being able to like share the same space. And it's in me putting this thing out and feeling proud of it. So the transformation here is being like, yo, I have a hundred thousand people who bought my 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 uh, series mm. and they're all going to be like tuning in like that's wild like my my parents my grandparents like nobody they didn't have this opportunity the fact that i can put out my art that i'm proud of and i can have a hundred thousand people all pay a dollar have access to it to share in the comedy to share with the stories i'm telling because i'm telling comedy that's reflective of my upbringing of my family like you'll see my dad my mom like whoever like their their influences in my art and i get to share that with a hundred thousand people like that's huge that's the transformation that's in there so this is the psychology behind your um your copy because you wouldn't say all this in your ad, but you'd be writing it. And I'm starting to understand the transfer of vibration from me seeing an ad to me reading it mm. to me saying, oh, I feel her. Mm. I feel her. There's this app. What was the app? That, was you on that? You was on that call where David said, the, the guy that runs my ads, there's an app where we can see it screen records the person's behavior on the heat jar or hot jar. Hot jar, yes, hot okay. jar. Mm-hmm. I was blown away mm. because I'm think I'm thinking somebody watches the video and then they click buy or they watch the video, skim through and then leave. We're watching this one person. They're like literally watch the video, and they're read. They're there and it scrolls up a little bit. I'm like, yo, this person's reading the whole thing. Oh, yeah. Yo, he said there was one person, it took them 20 minutes to check out because they're reading through everything. And then they went to this one part and we could see that the person clicked, clicked. They were trying to click this thing, but it wasn't a button. Which tells me, wow, some people would be more satisfied if this was a button. So we're like, mm-hmm. oh, let's make it something, right? And it just gives us so much data. Yes. But when you start talking about like positioning, Copy just became really important to me just now. Mm. 